Good morning, Bokar Tov. Today we are learning a double parasha, parasha parashiot achremot kedoshim, achre kedoshim. These two parashiot combined have approximately 60 mitzvot. Parasha kedoshim itself has well over, over 50. We have approximately 60 mitzvot in this double parasha, and there are 613 mitzvot in the Torah. So proportionally, you have about 10% of all of the mitzvot in this week's parasha. It's really very, very dense. Parasha Kedoshim in particular has multiple mitzvot in single lines, uh, almost like bullet point form. It's uh, it's, a, it's really a lot to, to study and to enjoy. And, and the high level Parasha Kedoshim has a lot to do with how we deal with interpersonal relationships with others. Parasha Achremot, the first one, starts off with the with mitzvot related to the day of Yom Kippur. And in fact, it's the Torah portion that we read on the day of Yom Kippur. It starts off by telling us what Aharon Kohen does on the service of his Yom Kippur. The details of the service of the day, that there is a certain room called the Kodesh HaKodashim, that only the Kohen Gadol, at this point of the Torah, it's Aharon, Aharon Kohen, but in future it'll be his, his children, one of the Kohanim. Only the Kohen Gadol, only on Yom Kippur is allowed, Achat Pashana is allowed to go into the Kodesh Kodashim. So we learn the laws from this week's parasha and the service that he has to do on that day. Now, the service that the Kohen Gadol does on the day of Yom Kippur has become part of our liturgy, our tefilot, our prayer on Yom Kippur in the section called Seder HaAvodah. During Musaf prayer there of, of Yom Kippur, there's a Seder HaAvodah and it's a whole process and we're essentially going through this parasha are going through the service of the Kohen Gadol on the day, and part of it is the Kohen Gadol would mention the name of Hashem several times, and when he would mention the name of Hashem, everyone who would hear it would respond by saying, Baruch Shem Kevod Olam Ba'ed. Hashem's name is uh, blessed, uh, and they would immediately bow when they would hear the name of God pronounced, uttered by the Kohen Gadol, and so that's part of our uh, tefilot services, on Yom Kippur is where we bow to the ground. It's, it's again, it's reenacting or talking through the services of the Kohen Gadol. The parasha goes through it. Um, there is one very important point that I want to mention about the, the service of the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol has to give a verbal confession. He does what's called a vidui. He does a vidui, a verbal confession for the sins, for his own personal sins, for the sins of his family, for the sins of the Kohanim at large, and for the sins of the entire Jewish people. This is something that's extremely important about Yahadut in the Torah, that the services that we do, the tefillot that we pray, and we go through the service of Yom Kippur, it only works if there is heart in it, if it's genuine. What that means is, of course, we have to do the services, but it works only if a person regrets what they have done. If a person admits their sin is what the Kohen Gadol has to do. And as part of admitting the sin, you you accept not to do it again. And so we have, we're going through this entire uh, parasha. And there's this one famous line that, uh, again, it's also part of our Tefilot Yom Kippur. It's, the line is as follows. On this day, on this day, referring to Yom Kippur, Hashem will atone for your sins. To purify your sins, and in front of God, you will be purified. So it's a day of atonement, it's a day of purification. 
there are these two elements of the day, the day of atone, a time of atonement. Atonement is having our sins forgiven, uh, getting forgiven for our sins and being atoned for those sins. But then there's also a, a purification process. What, what is the difference between atonement and purification? Rabbi Benchaim loves sharing this story to, to um, highlight the, the two elements of the day of Yom Kippur. He get, the story is as follows. There's someone who is driving a car, and as he's driving, he's driving illegally. Let's say he he runs through a, a red light, and he's speeding. So that's a couple of, of things doing wrong there, going too fast, going through a red light. But he gets what um, what's coming for him almost, and as he's speeding and running through the headlight, he gets a hit on the side, and he gets injured very badly, he goes to the hospital, and he has broken, fractured bones. Uh, and it's a long, long recovery. And so, you know, he the, the way Rabbi Benchaim loves saying it is that the, the the person now is, you know, he's in a cast. His arm is uh, being suspended, is being held up. His leg is being held up. He has his head wrapped in a cast. And lo and behold, he has uh, run through a red light and he has, has a speeding ticket. So he it comes to his court date. He has to go to the village to pay a ticket for running through a head, uh, red light and for speeding. And as the judge sees that he is completely fractured and completely in pain and sees that he's like, you know, he, he uh, is, is immobile, the judge feels bad for him. So the judge says, you know what? These two tickets, not guilty. You know, I, I'll let them pass. You don't need to pay a ticket for it. The man is very happy and he leaves. But when he leaves, he still is in his cast. He still is in pain. He still has to go through physical therapy. It's still a long road ahead, even though the judge forgave him. And so this is what Rabbi Ben-Chaim says, how you have these elements of the day of Yom Kippur. Hashem, God can forgive our sins. But when someone is involved with things that are improper and they're involved with sin, it becomes part of who they are. It becomes part of their life. So it's not just a matter of, will you forgive me? Yeah, that's a big part of it. But it's, can you break away from the bad habits? Can you purify yourself? And so this is the two atonements of uh, two uh, hopes and prayers of the day is that on this day, Hashem will atone for our sins by forgiving us, but also will be a time of the a time of purifying ourselves because we commit not to do these sins in the past uh, that we have done in the past and to move forward from them. So these are the two elements. It's the Hashem forgives us, but we as human beings, we change. When someone does uh, sins, when someone sins, when someone is involved with bad behavior, when someone is involved with bad habits, it becomes route, it becomes part of the person, it becomes who they are. And so what we're part of the service of Yom Kippur is to break away from that. Now, going back to our parasha, the Torah tells us that the Kohen Gadol, he would test, he would uh, confess, confess hit for himself, confess on behalf of the entire Jewish people, the confession of the sins. And the way the Rambam explains is that that confession and being genuine in your confession is extremely, it's a, it's a very core element of the entire day. If you don't confess your sins or you don't have thoughts of confessing, thoughts of doing the Rambam says, yeah, okay, we're going through this entire process. It'll work a little bit, but it's not gonna, it's not gonna have a major effect. This is essentially what the Rambam says, where, where the Sa'ir Azazel, the goat, Without going into too much, too much details, it will atone for the Jewish people for all of their sins if they confess and if they're genuine in teshuvah. But if not, it'll it'll get rid of some sins, but not all, uh, because the person needs to to be uh, genuine. And and th- this is not part. The part of the Torah is you can't just pay a fine and get out of uh, 
get out of the crime. You did something wrong, you have to confess, you have to do teshuvah. And that's free. That's free. You don't need to spend any money for it. All you need to do is to be genuine, to have your thoughts toward Hashem, to, to uh, commit that, and accept upon yourself that you don't want to do this sin anymore going forward and that you regret what you did in the past and then God forgives our sins. That's what this parasha is about. The entire parasha is something that we read uh, on Yom Kippur, essentially. We read the first half of the parasha of Achremot in the morning of Yom Kippur and the second half in the afternoon of Yom Kippur because uh, this is all the topics that it's related to. A couple other things in this parasha. There's a mitzvah of not having, not drinking blood of an animal. The Torah specifically tells us here that we, we may not have not drink blood. And so that takes us into a whole uh, chapter on the laws of kosher, kosher meat, where when you're studying the laws of what is kosher meat, first of all, it's like specific and only specific animals are kosher. There are certain specific uh, types of animals, for example, pork, a, a pig that just are not kosher. Camel, the Torah tells us is not kosher. So there's a, a list of species of animals that are kosher. Then there has to be a proper slaughtering, proper shechita. Then there has to be a checking to make sure that the animal wasn't injured. If the animal was injured, for example, one of its lungs were punctured to the extent that it would end up dying of natural causes within the next year, that's not kosher. That's called a terefa. If an animal is injured or torn or somehow has some injury that it would die in the next year, that would be a terefa and it's not kosher. So again, it has to be the right species and then it has to be slaughtered the right way. And then it has to be checked to make sure that it wasn't injured. And then the next step, there's many steps, The next, but the next step is uh, removing the fats. There's all types of chelev, certain types of fats that are not allowed to be eaten. There's the sciatic nerve, the gidan nasheh that you're not allowed to eat. And then there's this part where blood needs to be removed from the meat. And that's done through a process of salting called melicha. Uh, there is salt placed on the meat on both sides of it put it on some sort of grates or something that uh, that it could strain out the blood and then you would be allowed to eat it you know the very common question is someone goes to a restaurant uh, it's a kosher restaurant or someone goes to a, a kosher uh, supermarket and they buy meat and then they they're grilling and they see that there's a uh, blood in the middle of it and they 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 get scared or you buy a piece of steak and in the middle is still blood it's okay as long as you go through the laws, the proper laws of melicha, of salting, then whatever remains on the inside is, is permitted. It's If you didn't go through the melicha process of salting, then the blood that you're eating within the meat, that's problematic from this week's parasha. The Torah tells us not to have blood. But as long as you are going through and the meat is kosher and part of certifying that it's kosher is that it's gone through the melicha, the salting process, then it's completely fine. I want to now jump to the second parasha. The second parasha of the week is called Parashat Kedoshim. There's so much to discuss from this parashiot. There's really so much to discuss. This parasha Kedoshim is in bullet point form. The Torah tells us, Kedoshim ki kadosh You should be holy. Now, what does that mean that you should be holy? When Hashem asks us to be holy. So you could very simply say that it's a general term and you're holy by following the Torah. You're following the mitzvot, you become holy. Uh, some say that it's not specifically by refraining from uh, sins that are related to relationships or um, marital relations, uh, sexual immorality, because that section is in Parashat Kedoshim and it's in Parashat Achremot. So be kadosh by separating yourselves specifically in this arena of uh, sexual immorality. If someone who can separate themselves from those sins are is coined with the title of being kadosh. Another explanation that the Ramban explains that what does it mean to be holy? The Ramban means that the Ramban explains as it's explained is that there are times that you are allowed to do something. Technically, you'd be allowed to do something, but it's not proper. 
having that judgment to say, technically, I'm allowed to do this, but I'm not going to because I know that it's not right. I know it's not within the spirit of the law, even though it's technically within the law, but it's not within the spirit of the law. I know that it's not proper for me to do this. I want to be correct. I want to be just. That is what the Ramban explains means to be kadosh. The Torah can't prescribe and tell us what to do in every single situation. So there might be times that technically the law would be allowed to do something. For example, there's many examples. One of the examples that Ramban can explain is gluttony, eating, overeating, overindulging. You're allowed to eat, and as long as the food is kosher, you're allowed to eat as much as you want. But then it comes to a point that now the person is a, is is behaving in a way that's gluttonous, that's not proper, Technically, you're allowed to. Someone who's kadosh is someone that could control themselves. All right. So this is one example. There's many other examples. Technically, something might be belong to you, but you know you wanna you wanna be uh, liberal with your money. You could be very forgiving with your money. That's another example. Being kadesh mutalach. Make yourself holy through things that are technically permitted, but you say endavar. You know, I, I, I'm gonna go beyond above and beyond the law. That's a way to be kadosh. Um, a very famous mitzvah that we have this week is you should love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the, the way the way this the Torah explains this mitzvah is you think about something that someone else would want to have been done. Or you want, you're a person. Think about what you would want someone to do for you. The favors you would want someone to do for you. If you were sick, you would want someone to come visit you. You want people to come invite you. You want people to come take care of you. You want people to help you out. You want people to do kind acts of kindness for you. Whatever you would want people to do to, for you, you should do for others. Love your neighbor as yourself. The way that you would want to uh, would appreciate something, do it for someone else. Also, the flip side. If there's something that you would not want to be done to you something that you would despise something that would offend you so don't do it to others if you're about to do something to someone else and say would i want another person to do that to me would i get offended yes i would so don't do that so this is a a very simple the way the the talmud explains rabbi akiva says it's a very important law the way he led there's a story in the talmud the story in the gemara that uh, Hillel Hazaken, when Rabbi says that this is basically the entire Torah, the entire Torah can be summarized in these three words of love your neighbor as yourself. If you understand this and its depth, the rest of the Torah is like almost commentary on this one line. That's what Hillel says. It's a very important line. The same section of the Torah tells us not to take revenge, not to bear grudges. Uh, the Torah gives us other examples. I want to read one one important line because there's a psychology behind it. The Torah tells us not to steal. Lo tignovu. That means not to take something that doesn't belong to you. Right? Lo tignovu is to take something that's not yours out of someone else's possession to bring it into your own possession. Lo tignovu. The rest of the line, the next section says, next line, next phrase rather, Velotikhachashu. Do not deny falsely. Now someone says, hey, you stole this. Don't deny and say, no, I didn't. Or it says, you owe me money. and say, no, I don't. That is this word here, v'lotika chashu. Do not deny. And the next one is v'lotika Do not lie. Don't go and come up with stories. So the way Rashi here explains, the way our sages explain, is that when someone does one thing wrong, it becomes a vicious cycle. First thing that someone does is steals. The Torah says, don't steal. But then someone goes and steals. Now that someone steals, and now if he gets caught, Immediately, what's going to happen? He's going to start denying, denying falsely, saying, no, I didn't. 
So one sin of stealing is now causing him to do the next sin of denying falsely. And then if someone does that, he has to now come and elaborate and start lying, which is the third sin quoted in this pasuk. Don't lie. Because he comes, you know, someone says, hey, you stole this. And you say, no, I didn't. You deny falsely. Like, really? But I saw this and look at that. And now you have to start coming up with a story, an elaborate lie. When someone does one thing wrong, by chain reaction, it means he's going to do the next thing wrong, the next thing wrong, the next thing wrong. And unfortunately, sin uh, will lead to doing more sin. Bad habits will lead to more bad habits. Doing things as acting improperly will lead us to act improperly more often. But if someone stops at the first stage and says, I'm not going to take this, I'm not going to steal. Well, if you're not going to steal, you're not going to deny falsely because you never did anything wrong to deny falsely. And then you're not going to go lie because what is there to lie about? You're just living a truthful life. Owning what belongs to you. There's no lying involved. So you, one sin will lead to others. It's a very, very important mitzvah uh, because what this mitzvah is teaching us is that when you do one thing right, it'll, it'll nip it at, at its bud, if you will. If you li- follow the first law, then there's so many other laws that you'll never even have to get into. Then Many other sins, if you will. But if someone does one thing wrong, it's just going to lead them to do the next thing wrong. And this is very common. Someone makes one lie. They say one lie. And then in order to cover up that lie, they go to the next lie. In order to cover up that next lie, they're going to go do something else. And now now they're going to go and they're going to try to steal some things to cover up of, of the lie because this person has evidence. So now let me go steal this. And now I have to go hurt this person. You know, you ever watch a soap opera? This is This is exactly what happens. But if you just do one thing, if you don't even start with that one thing wrong, Soap operas wouldn't uh, wouldn't exist because that's just what the the drama, right? Of just going from one thing to the next. Uh, there is another uh, one, a very important line that I want to explain from the parasha. Again, there's so much, there's so much to discuss. The Torah tells us this week, as we are between Am Israel is between two nations. Am Israel is between Egypt, from where we left, headed toward Canaan or the Canaanimar, the land of Israel. And the Torah tells us, Do not act like the way the Egyptians act. The land which, from which you came, do not act like them. And don't act like the Canaanites, the Canaanim that were entering their land. Don't act like them. They are both very immoral. Our sages explain specifically with the sins of related to sexual, uh, sexual immorality, it was very proliferant. It was very, it was very common and frequent in those countries and those nations at the time. But just regardless, the Torah tells us not just that. Don't act like them. So, how should you act? That's the next line. Follow the words of the Torah. Follow the words of God. Follow what the Torah asks us to do. And that's what this parasha is about. The next parasha of Kiddushim is teaching you how to behave, how to act properly. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't. Deny falsely. Respect other people. Don't uh, take revenge. Don't 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 hate people in your heart. The Torah tells us don't hate people in your heart. Don't curse people. Don't don't throw stumbling blocks in front of people. Don't hurt people. Don't let people trip. Don't curse people. I think I already said that. Uh, respect people. The Torah tells us some mitzvah this week that when someone is elderly, stand up for them. Give them respect. When someone is a wise person, show them respect. There's many things from this week's parasha that is teaching you how to respect people. So that's what the Torah is telling you. The Torah is telling you don't act like the Canaanim that you're going into their land. You're going to go, they're going to be uh, your future neighbors or they're going to be who you're going to get influenced by and how they set up their society. Don't follow them. 
And don't follow the Egyptians who are all you knew your entire life. We've been in Egypt for over 200 years. Am Yisrael only knows the Egyptians. Don't act like them either. Instead, you have a new moral standard of the Torah that God is giving you to hold yourself up to a higher standard than everyone. You are not going to be looking from without, from the other nations to understand, to, to, to learn how to act. You're going to be looking within the Torah, the nation of God. Hashem will be teaching you how to behave and teaching you how to behave around the, within the society, your own civilization, your own nation, your own people, and also with all the nations around you. The Torah will teach you how to behave in a proper way. And so that is what the Torah is asking us to do. It's really beautiful. One of the reasons I love this line is because it teaches you the psychology of, uh, this is something for parenting, for children, even for adults, that when Hashem asks us, don't ask, don't act like the Egyptians and don't act like the Canaanim because they're not good and they're not good, that's not good enough. Telling someone not to do something is not good enough. It needs to be replaced. Someone has a bad habit, telling the person don't do that, it's very difficult to fight that habit. Instead, you replace it with a good behavior. And that's, the Torah is giving you that uh, technique of how do you stay away from bad by doing good. The Torah is giving you, spelling out that technique and saying, don't act like the Egyptians or the the Canaanim. Instead, follow the Torah. Torah is teaching you this technique of sur merava asetov. Separate yourself from bad by replacing the bad with good. Someone is getting themselves in trouble, and a parent goes and tells that kid, "Hey, don't do that." It's it's maybe the child will will understand the how the stakes, how it's high stakes, and the child will understand that they're making mistakes and understand that maybe this is going to be irreversible. So maybe the child will say, "Okay, I'll stop doing the bad." The sur merava. But it's, it's a lot easier if you offer something else. Instead of if the child is going here and you know when the child goes here, they struggle with something, try to create a situation where they could go somewhere else. I'm not saying the kids are going to listen to the parents, but what I'm saying is that, that this is a technique that our sages are teaching us from this line, that you find somewhere else good to be. And then you spend your time there you're, you're already fought that, that first battle of, of separating yourself from the bad is becoming a lot easier when you're replacing it with something good. Someone has a habit. There's actually a book about the, the power of habit, I believe it's called, where he breaks down the anatomy of how habits work. And essentially he says that the way, and I have to remind myself, but the way the habits are, the anatomy of habits is there's three components of it. There's a trigger, something that triggers you, and then you do the action, which is the habit. And after you do the action, then you get some sort of a reward. So for example, let's say someone gets nervous. Something happens, they get nervous. So that's the trigger. They get nervous because uh, there's a lot of people there. So what's the habit? They start biting your nails. Start biting your nails. You start feeling some pressure. And that's the reward where it calms the person down. Okay, now if they want to replace that habit, there's many ways you could tell a person, don't do it. Don't do it, but that's how I deal with this trigger. That's how I personally deal with getting nervous. Okay, so you come up with something else to replace. If, if you're getting nervous, instead of doing that, I think what he was reading in the book is, instead of biting your nails, instead, put your nails, put your hands into a table. 
teaching people this technique of instead of doing bad, do something else that helps you to get out of the bad habits. All right. I think I went a little bit too much into psychology out of, uh, out of lines. That's not my, uh, my expertise here, but this is something that, that's taught from this uh, parasha of don't act like the Egyptians. Don't act like the Canaanites. Follow the Torah instead. Use the Torah as a model of how you should behave. Don't look at the people around you, but use that because that's the, the true morality is coming from the Torah. Okay, there's really so much more to discuss. It's a very dense parasha, but we'll stop here. Be'ezor Hashem. Shavuot Tov, anyone? Does anyone have any questions? I, we could open it up for questions if anyone has. Okay, so we'll stop here. Shavuot Tov, everyone. Have a great week. Be'ezor Hashem, we'll pick up next week in good health. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Eli. Thank you. Bye.